Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on October 2nd, 2016, on the basis of Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 27. A 67-year-old woman walked into a hospital for a scheduled and relatively routine exam. And yet after the exam was finished, she was taken back to a room on the wrong floor of that hospital. And so as a result, she did not go home. She was not discharged the very next day, as was the plan. But instead, she was eventually taken from that room for an open-heart surgery that she didn't need. It's actually a full hour on the operating table before her doctor was finally able to reach the surgical team to alert them of the mistake, thankfully before too much damage had been done. It's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? (laughs) The idea that you would go into a hospital for an exam and, and end up on the operating table for open heart surgery. And yet in a very real way, I can't help but think that that's exactly how the man we're going to meet today felt after a conversation with Jesus. This man knew that he needed something from Jesus. In fact, we're told that he went running to Jesus and fell down at Jesus' feet. But as we're going to see, what this man thought he needed from Jesus wasn't really all that much. This man thought that in terms of of having everything that he needed, he was about about 90% of the way there. What he needed from Jesus was really just that last little 10%. Now, I'm not going to ask who this morning was so eager to get to church that you would have run here if you had to, but you are here, right? And I think it's easy that as we gather here in God's house to hear his word that we can sort of have the same attitude that this man did, that when we come to Jesus, we are already in pretty good shape that we've made it most of the way ourselves, and that from Jesus we just need the last little bit, the last piece of the puzzle, that last 10%. In fact, maybe, maybe as we sit here, we sometimes picture ourselves sort of like a, a football team gathered in a locker room, waiting for that inspiring pregame pep talk from the coach before we rush out and take the field. Or maybe we, we picture ourselves a little bit like a group of professionals who are in a conference room listening to some industry expert up on stage share some business best practices. Or maybe we picture ourselves sitting in an office on a comfortable couch having a a heart-to-heart conversation with a therapist. And yet today we're going to find ourselves exactly where this man did. Not in a locker room, not at a conference, not on a couch, but on the operating table. Not having a conversation with a coach or an industry expert or a therapist, but in the hands of a very skilled surgeon. Like I said, when this man came to talk to Jesus, he had no idea what he was in for. Elsewhere, we're told that this man was a rich, young ruler, not a bad combination of characteristics to have, right? So he had wealth, he had health, and he had power. And yet he still sensed that there was something more that he needed. And so he came to Jesus and he said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal 
life. In other words, everything that this life has to offer, I've got firmly in my grip. I just want to make sure that I've also got eternal life too. Only it turns out that when it came to eternal life, this man thought he was in pretty good shape there as well. Jesus told him that if he wanted eternal life, he would have to keep all of the commandments. And Jesus starts rattling them off as examples. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. And the man is sitting there thinking, yep, check and check and check and check. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. This man thought that he came to Jesus in pretty good shape, that he had made it 90% of the way all by himself, and he he just needed to find out if there was that last 10% that he was missing. So what did Jesus do? Well, he performed surgery. And the first part of the surgery went like this. First, Jesus sees, and then Jesus slices. Here's what Mark tells us. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go and sell everything you have and give to the poor. Without any help from an MRI or an x-ray machine, Jesus was able to look right into the heart of this man. He was able to see that position in that man's heart, that number one spot that belonged only to God And he could see that that spot was occupied by his wealth. That the thing that this man loved most in all the world was his money. That his money had become his God. And so this man wasn't in good shape. This man hadn't made it 90% of the way and needed just the last 10. No, if earning eternal life required keeping all of the commandments perfectly, then this man hadn't made it past even the very first one, the one that tells us to have no other gods. Just like a surgeon, Jesus was able to see that in that man, and with his words, like a razor-sharp scalpel, he sliced the man open so that the man could see it too. And he did. He realized what his problem was, but, but he loved his money so much that he didn't even want help. He, he went away sad because he loved his money so much. Like I said, that can kind of be a a scary proposition, can't it? I mean, maybe we didn't run to church this morning, but, but we're here. And it's easy for us to think that we walk through that door in pretty good shape. 90% of the way there, maybe all we need from Jesus is just that last little 10%. And yet, just like he did with this man, Jesus is here to perform surgery. You heard in that lesson from Hebrews that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword, that it cuts us wide open, that it cuts right to the very deepest places of our hearts and slices us open to reveal the truth that is inside. Of course, that razor-sharp scalpel of God's word can and, and does expose all kinds of different sins in our hearts and all kinds of different idols that have taken the position in our heart that belongs only to God. But you know what? Jesus is talking about money today, and so let's talk a little bit about money. If we don't give generously to help people who are in need, because instead we really want that brand new iPhone 7, 
and that bigger TV and that better house. It's a pretty clear indication that we love our money more than we love our God. If we don't give generously to support the work of the church in spreading the good news in our community and in our world, because instead we just want to make sure that, that all of our bills get paid first and then God can have what's left over. It's a pretty good indication that we trust our money more than we trust our God. If we aren't spending our money the way that God wants us to, including giving generously in those ways, then the greatest tragedy in all of that is not that, that one more person would go without food or not that the church would not be able to pay its bills. It's that, it's that something in our hearts has taken the place that belongs to God. It's that that money has become our idol. And what that means for us is exactly what it meant for that man. That when it comes to keeping the commandments, we are not 90% of the way there with just a little bit needed from Jesus. I mean, we might very well be the most friendly neighbors and the most hardworking employees and the most loving and faithful spouses in all the world, but when it comes to keeping the commandments, we are not nine-tenths of the way there. Instead, we are stuck and stalled and broken down on the side of the road right next to commandment numero uno. And Jesus sees that. And just like a surgeon, he wants to slice us right open so that we see it too. As I said, when, when the man saw that, he went away sad. But he wasn't the only one who was troubled by Jesus' words. After the man had left, the disciples said, well, if what you say is true, Jesus, then, then who in the world can possibly be saved? I mean, if this guy who had wealth and health and power, who had all these signs that God loved him and God was blessing him, if this man claimed to be the upstanding citizen that he was and maybe even had a reputation for being so, if, if he couldn't be saved, then who can? And in fact, after the man left, Jesus sort of ratcheted up the intensity a little bit. He said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. How hard is it for someone to get to heaven? It's not hard. It's impossible. And Jesus' disciples got the message, and so they asked, well then, who in the world can possibly be saved? Which was really just code for, how can we? So do you know what Jesus did? Once again, he performed surgery. And the second part of his surgery went like this. Once again, Jesus sees, but then this time, Jesus sows. Here's what Mark tells us. Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Jesus' words had sliced them right open, just like it had with that rich young man. And they too were wondering, who in the world can possibly be saved? They too knew full well that when it came to keeping the commandments, they were not nine-tenths of the way there. They were stuck at number one. And so Jesus looks at that gaping wound in their hearts and he applies medicine. 
he looks at that gaping wound in their hearts and he stitches it right up. He said, that's the point. It is impossible to be saved by your obedience to the Ten Commandments. But what is impossible with mankind is not only possible with God, it's reality in Christ. John Calvin was a Swiss theologian who lived way back at the time of Martin Luther, and he made the interesting observation that our hearts are like idol factories. In other words, we can crank out idols, we can turn things into false god as fast as McDonald's can crank out french fries on an average weekday. And if that's the case, if when it comes to keeping the Ten Commandments, we're not nine-tenths of the way there, but stuck on the very first one, then how in the world can anyone be saved? That's exactly when being in the hands of a surgeon is the best place we can possibly be. Jesus only wants to show us how impossible it is for us to earn our salvation so that he can show us not only how possible, but what a reality it is that he has provided salvation as a free gift. You see, just like that rich young man, Jesus too possessed wealth and health and power, only all three to an exponentially greater degree than that young man. And yet, unlike that young man, Jesus was willing to just let go of all of them. He let go of his wealth for a life of poverty. He let go of his power for a life of weakness. He let go of his youth and his health so that he could die an agonizing death on the cross, all so that he could save us from the death that we are destined for. Jesus looks at that gaping wound in our hearts and he applies the medicine that only he can apply and he sews that wound right up. In fact, in Jesus, our salvation is so complete that now when God looks at us, he can't even see a scar. The same God who knows and sees everything that is wrong with us looks at us and all he sees is the perfection of Jesus Christ. And so he issues us a completely clean bill of health. Not even 90% and then, and then go ahead and do the rest. Not only you're almost there, but then here's some things you need to do. Completely, fully, finally forgiven. And if that sounds impossible, that's exactly Jesus' point. But when you're tempted to doubt it, remember that there is one thing that is even more impossible than a camel passing through the eye of a needle. It's a dead man standing up and walking out of his grave. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus did the impossible to show us that our salvation is certain and guaranteed. You know, I, I found out about that 67-year-old woman with a little bit of help from the Internet. But I actually also knew a man who, at about the same age, went into the hospital for a scheduled and relatively routine exam. A man who, just like that woman, was not allowed to go home, but who instead ended up on the operating table with triple bypass open heart surgery. But in his case, surgery that he needed. Surgery that saved his life. 
What do you think would have happened if that man had said, you know what, Doc, I know I'm in rough shape, but, but how about an inspiring pep talk to pick up some healthier habits? How about a, a motivational speech? How about some good advice about how I can live better? I, I just don't want surgery. Think the doc would have listened? Probably not. In the same way, we don't always know what we need from Jesus, and we don't always want the surgery that he is here to perform, and yet, and yet Jesus knows that we need it. And he loves us far too much to let us walk out the door without it. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.